Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me. Hello, Nate Langson. Uh, if you're one of our patrons, this is your extended, that means longer, ad-free version, that means no ads, of this week's show. That means the same. Uh, but if you're not one of our patrons but would like to get our ad-free extended versions or listen and interact with us live, head to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. You get instant access, instant access to our entire back catalogue of extended shows. And hello to everybody who is joining us live in the chat room. I'm waving, you can't see me, this is audio, but safe to say my hand is moving like an upside-down pendulum from the left to the right. Uh, joining us this week is a man shot from the same gun barrel as myself, CNET.com's senior editor, Andy Hoyle. Hello, Andy. Uh, hi there, thanks for such uh, a lovely way of introducing me. I couldn't think of anything else at the spur of the moment, so that's what we went with. Joining us this week is CNET.com's senior editor, Andy Hoyle. Would have been fine, but that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll blow through that and we'll carry on. Two weeks in a row indeed, yes. I'm very excited to be back for a second occasion. And we're also very delighted to be joined by some new patrons this week, Russell Ryan, Jason Coombs and Craig Rangley. Welcome, Craig, Jason and Russell. Thank you very much for being uh, patrons and I uh, hope you enjoy the show. In fact, speaking of the show... That's what we're going to get into now. Here it comes. Millions of Britons, Andy, are unwillingly, or rather they are unwilling to be parted from their urban broadband and not too shabby mobile phone reception uh, and basically shunning rural living. This is according to a survey by U-Switch. This is also according to the Register write-up this week. Uh, the Register says 9 million Britons won't move to the countryside through fear of being cut off by poor broadband, which is extrapolating, uh, the survey rather, is extrapolating from a figure of a survey of 2,000 adults carried out in July. 17% of people who asked said they'd shun life outside of their nearest metropolis over fears of poor connectivity, the Register said. So basically they won't move to the country because they're afraid that broadband will be too slow. The website wrote that just over half of the full survey amount, 58%, professed to be concerned about slow or unreliable broadband, uh, which came second to crap public transport links um, and uh, what else was in there? Oh, a lack of public services in the countryside was in fourth, so that was less important than the speed of broadband. And normally we would never ever start off a show talking about a survey, because normally talking about a survey story means it's been a slow news week and we ran out of things to talk to, talk about. And while that is ostensibly true this week, this one is a little bit different because when I bought my house here in Hertfordshire, if there hadn't been very good Virgin Media, genuinely, I don't know if we'd have bought it. So key is the speed of broadband. And I wondered if that's the same, A, Andy, for you, but also B, for people listening, or have they made decisions similar to that? And that's why I wanted to talk about this. But first, Andy, uh, your views on this. Would you uh, fall into this category of people that would not move somewhere simply because the broadband isn't good enough? No, we both know that isn't the case for me. I yearn for a life living in the wilderness where I see no one, talk to no one, and I spend my time hiking and taking photos. Like I'd, the internet, I, I would, I would gladly one day leave behind entirely. Um, that is not going to happen um, because, unfortunately, I have to make my money on the internet. Uh, 
But I kind of, this kind of bugs me because on the one hand, it's sort of that, you know, the city people are like, oh no, I, I don't want to go out. I don't want to, I've got these posh boots. I don't want to get them muddy. And, you know, they're just too used to this city life and, oh, everything's got to be connected all the time. And I think there's such a value in disconnecting and, and going out um, and relaxing in the natural world um, a little bit. But obviously, like, that isn't necessarily um realistic um and it doesn't need to happen because there is still there is signal um in the countryside particularly in britain like i think we've got pretty decent coverage and yeah it may not be super fast but there is a lot of um uh, coverage for mobile signal in fact mobile signal i think is better than a lot of fixed line broadband that you can get i know that was the case um for our mum's home uh, internet connection um uh, yes but- until we installed a microwave link on the side of her house Yes, until that happened. But I think the the I'm I'm seeing this as as a kind of what if you were setting up a business? Like if I wanted to leave London, um, live outside of a city in the countryside, which I do very very dearly, incidentally, um, I would need to have a decent internet connection in order to run um, a, a business or do or, or carry on being a journalist or whatever it is I would decide to do, and so I would have to have a decent that decent connection and it is the case that there are plenty of rural places um that you can't where you can't get uh, good enough speeds to really operate from so as i say i'm really seeing this from two angles a the uh we having a weekend away in the countryside or leaving the city altogether and living in the countryside and one of them i can totally agree with the points and the other one is ridiculous KV in the chat room right now points out something quite interesting, that uh, the same could be said about former quote-unquote luxuries like electricity and running water back in the day, that maybe you wouldn't move somewhere if you didn't have running water or if maybe you had to suffer the indignity of an outdoor toilet, um, which I've actually used and everything that is horribly said about them I, I can confirm to be accurate. It's terrible. And I think similar is probably true of having no internet if you need it. However, I'm with you, Andy, on this. Because I love the thought of not actually having speedy... uh, I mean, we're talking about mobile phone signal here. This is specifically about not spots, but we've extended this out to be about internet in general. And I just wonder whether people are going to get so sick and tired and jaded of technology and of the amount of addiction that it it can cause, and we've talked about that in the show before now, that, that actually moving somewhere where when they're home, they're offline, is actually going to become quite attractive and so these sorts of not spots these these uh, these places where you can go and get away from technology comes sort of like a, a therapeutic little haven um, yeah it is for me in, in terms of holidays i like to know that if i'm going some I'm, that i would be going somewhere that maybe i'm not going to get great signal like that is good for me if i'm going if i'm traveling for work obviously the, one of the important things is that my my hotel will have good internet to allow me to do the job that i'm there to do but for my own holidays i love the highlands of scotland i love the mountains i love forests i love it's quite difficult to get to places and i enjoy the fact that there isn't a constant internet signal there um maybe there's a bit of phone signal in case of emergency but you're offline there's no twitter there's no um facebook and and stuff i i, I find extremely refreshing um well uh, let us know uh, any thoughts that you have. Have you? Uh, I'm particularly interested if anyone hasn't moved somewhere specifically because of uh, internet or phone signal. And uh, do do let us know. Hello at techpodcast.uk if you are one of those people. Be very interested to to hear that. Um, and what one... I will say, 
Yes. On that, sorry to interrupt your flow. I know how much you do not like that. But I over um, in April and June, um, I did a road trip. I think I may have talked about this on the podcast before, but I did a road trip around um, uh, Slovenia, Croatia, Austria, Italy, and various places in a uh, VW, VW camper. And again, part of that was that we wanted to get away from the towns and away from the cities and really journey around the more rural areas where, frankly, most of the beauty is in those spots. And I have full uh very very fast 4g almost the entire time including when i was right up in the middle of the dolomite mountains in italy to the extent that um when we wanted to watch an episode of gilmore girls on netflix it streamed absolutely perfectly um i I didn't actually do a speed test but i would hazard a guess that it was a minimum of 20 down which in the middle of that area is i thought extremely impressive like you can still go to these places and the the connection will still be there you're listening to text message the uk focused technology podcast if you have an opinion simply find the nearest pigeon and sellotape your thoughts to it before encouraging it to fly to our studio alternatively send us an email using hello at techpodcast.uk please note pigeons will not be returned Britain's biggest employer organisation and main trade union body, um, they've sounded the alarm, Andy, over the prospect of British companies implanting staff, their own staff, I presume, with microchips to improve security. This is according to a Guardian write-up this week. A spokesperson for the CBI, quoted by the paper and which uh, represents about just under 200,000 UK businesses and voiced these concerns, said... While technology is changing the way we work, this makes for distinctly uncomfortable reading. Firms should be concentrating on rather more immediate priorities and focusing on engaging their employees. Uh, The TUC said that workers are already concerned that some employers are using tech to control and micromanage them, whittling away their staff's right to privacy. The Guardian said that these chips, and I've I've seen these, they're they're tiny, they, they look like a little grain of rice, and they're typically implanted into the flesh between the the the, th- the thumb and the forefinger. God, that's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? The thumb and forefinger, and uh, they're, they're very similar to the ones that uh, you use for pets to have the, your postcode in in there or the the code that connects to a postcode. And what they enable people to do is open front doors, access offices or their car just by waving their hands. Uh, it can also be used to store medical data. And about 150 people or so in the UK have had this have had this done apparently and it costs anywhere between about 70 quid and about 260 um and some companies in the us have had it done uh, have allowed their employees to have it done as well and they can get access to things like uh, special vending machines just by waving their their hand over it um i'm very excited by the prospect of this but not from a company level from a personal level as contactless technologies become more and more pervasive for example i love the idea of being able to wave my hand over the contactless terminal on the tube or on a train or on a bus and having it accept me as a as a passenger uh as if i was magic basically so you put you put it under your under your skin or under your finger and just sort of tap it with your hand and it opens or if i'm in waitrose by my lunch every day and instead of having to hold up my iphone or my my apple watch i just wave my hand over the over the cash register and it because holding up your apple watch versus holding up your hand is a big difference it's that's too much of an inconvenience for you is it it's not convenience it's already very convenient it's more feeling like i'm a wizard that i'm after that feeling that i'm in some way challenging gandalf 
not challenging, channeling Gandalf or Harry Potter or, you know, anyone else who wears uh, wizard robes and is infused with uh, with magic. That's what I want to be, and that's why I'm attracted to it. Andy, you have some knowledge about this, I believe. I do, yes. Um, uh, my colleague Katie Collins at CNET, um, who writes of a news desk, has had one of these implants in her hand. Admittedly, she had hers done as a bit of a... A little bit of a stunt at one of the uh, tech shows um, a couple of years ago where there was a security company who um, uh, offered to implant one of these into her. And um, she had it in the same place, as you say, between the thumb and forefinger. And um, so far, she hasn't done anything with it because this is brand new tech and it's only being done by such a small group of effectively like biohackers that um there's nothing that she can do she's she's not in a position to program it herself and to let it do things so she can't for example um input our um our office um, security cards into it in order to swipe access that way she can't use it as an oyster card i think the nearest that she may be able to do is have it as just basically being a passive nfc chip so theoretically i think she could program it if she had the right reader and tools to i don't know for example um if she had a nfc phone she could tap it against a hand and turn the phone onto silent so what was the, um, what was the impetus for this to be done in the first place other than a company said do you want to have it done like what did what was the sell there and i appreciate i should have really just asked her to come on the show and talk about it but still uh i believe it was pretty much that she and she wanted a, an interesting story um from the tech show which wasn't just about new laptops Oh, right. if I, I think I think that was pretty much um, the case at the time, but obviously they they did talk about mm-hmm. uh, you know here are the potential things that you can that you can um, that you can do, which in theory sound interesting from a from a personal perspective, but obviously the, this 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 topic that we're, that we're on about at the moment is more from like a business perspective of like businesses encouraging, um, hopefully encouraging rather than uh, demanding that um, employees do this because. There's a lot of discussion over how different ways that businesses are tracking their um, their uh, their staff and the potential positives, but the arguably more significant potential negatives um, of this. And and certainly, um, there's already been concerns that the TUC has said about um, uh, basically the staff no longer having um, any privacy if they can be tracked theoretically all the time, whether they're in work or out of work. Um, uh, I, I think is concerning. John in the, the chat room, once again, proving to be the font of all uh, backstage knowledge when it's required, actually flagged that someone had tried already to take the chip out of their travel card and put it under their skin and got fined for it. This was actually by a gentleman in Sydney. This uh, is a story on Sky News that I'm reading. It was from March of this year. And he says, and it turns out that he was fined not because he'd done it, but because when asked to show his travel card to an on-train attendant, presumably, he was unable to because it was actually he'd taken the chip out and had an expert plant it under his skin so he could do exactly what I wanted to do, which is wave his hand over the reader like a wizard. Yeah, the Oyster Card in London has the same; uh, they have the same rules. Um, they uh, officially you rent the Oyster Cards from. Uh, TFL and there there are rules that you cannot um, do anything to the card you cannot upgrade it you cannot take it apart you cannot take the chip out the card is the card and the card remains their property and using their service means using the card in that form whether they would enforce it in this way I don't know um, uh, they probably would do just to um, make an example of somebody if if someone were to try this but um, 
yeah, just in case anyone's thinking about doing the same in London. Mm. Well, uh, are you a wizard? Are you able to wave a body part over a piece of transport infrastructure to gain access to somewhere uh, via a different way than everybody else do let us know hello at techpodcast.uk very interested in hearing uh, what body part you use and where you use it you're used to hearing the smooth velvet sound of nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an ian morris opinion Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. EE, the largest mobile carrier in the UK, of course, is planning to launch its 5G network in 16 cities next year. This is according to Engadget this week. The initial launch is going to include London, Cardiff, Edinburgh, Belfast, Birmingham and Manchester. No surprises there. I looked it up and all of those got 4G in the first year of that technology's rollout from EE as well. Um, other networks are close too. Vodafone said it would have a thousand 5G enabled network sites in Britain by 2020. It started tests this year and, is, and said in September that Cornwall and the Lake District are going to receive 5G next year. Three also recently announced it's planning to spend about $2.5 billion on expanding its 5G infrastructure. And O2 said as well that it's won a very large amount of spectrum to deploy 5G when the time is right. And Engadget also helpfully pointed out that our government here has set a goal of getting 5G coverage to the majority of the country by 2025. That all sounds very interesting. I compared it to the rest of the world and South Korea came up in the most uh, interesting list of countries that are way ahead of us. Uh, its IT ministry and, tele- and local telecoms operators um, have agreed to launch 5G services at the same time to avoid unnecessary competition that would exacerbate marketing costs. That was according to ZDNet. And South Korea is actually planning on commercializing 5G next year in March. Uh, trials are going to begin next month. So South Korea, way ahead of us in terms of tech again, but also way ahead of us in terms of actually teaming up and cutting down the the costs of getting this rolled out widely. That's about all I actually have to say on this topic. It's fairly matter-of-fact news, but I still think that it's going to be quite a long time before we're seeing any massive benefit to 5G. It's also going to be incredibly expensive, I would imagine. I looked at the prices that EE was charging when it rolled out. Did you know that £36 a month when 4G first rolled out on on EE, £36 got you 500 megabytes of data? Yeah, when it first launched, it was it was bonkers expensive, and I and I held off um, for quite a long time. In fact, I think my first four G contract was on uh, three because it launched, I believe, with at the same price, and so its prices were extremely competitive. Then I left three because the coverage was terrible, and moved to Vodafone. Um, but I think what's particularly interesting is that we still don't really know exactly how 5G is going to benefit these rural areas, that, again, we, we talked about earlier, um, because there's still plenty of discussion about the how that they use the spectrum differently, how 5G can uh, penetrate further and still uh, get a strong signal, um, and how 5G is going to be benefiting more sort of 
connected devices in the quote internet of things um and allow for just more things to be connected without um annihilating bandwidth basically um so i think there's a lot of testing to be done and a lot more clarification on how it's really going to benefit us which i'm looking forward to finding out but i think we're only going to find out how much of benefit is going to be once they start actually deploying it the one of the main reasons that i like to talk about 5g on this show even though the technology isn't really here yet is kind of as a warning sign for everybody to not fall for the marketing that will initially come out of the gate for these systems for these technologies because unlike 4g that will immediately have a a massive benefit for the people who are able to take advantage of it. 5G is a very very different beast and it's not it's not to 4G what 4G was to 3G. And there's going to be a lot of companies coming out with marketing about moving to 5G devices and getting 5G. It's the real benefits are not going to come from speed alone. Um so we need to be we need to be quite careful on this, but trust me when I say we're going to be uh, keeping our finger on this pulse, as I'm sure will Andy. Andy, will your finger be on the aforementioned pulse? My finger will be somewhere near the pulse, um, searching desperately for the strongest pulse point. Um, hopefully, I'll be the one to find it. Um, but crucially, I think um, just before we finish on this topic, it's interesting that they're talking about launching it um, next year. But of course, it's early next year when we have Mobile World Congress, the big uh, tech show where a lot of the um, very high-end phones um, are launched, usually including Samsung's Galaxy line. So that's when we're expecting to see the new Galaxy S10. And I think this year is probably when we're going to see a lot more talk about 5G um, in devices um, because they know that the services are coming and they're going to have to have devices out there to take advantage of it. So I think there'll be a lot of news um, coming out about 5G um, in February when that show kicks off. You and I will probably no doubt be there. So I imagine you can look for a big 5G special in uh in the new in the new year at some point uh, but in the meantime if you have any thoughts on 5g and the announcement do let us know hello at techpodcast.uk let's dive headfirst into the mailbag andy um i'm gonna have to strip off to uh some speedos here and dive into the 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 the, the feedback pool have a little swim around and see what we can find. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Here we go. Splish, splash. Okay, I found this one from Kate, who writes in and says, Hello, following recent discussions, I thought you might like to hear my experiences with social media addiction and what I'm doing to try and improve my relationship with social media and my phone in general. Although I don't know exact numbers, I don't use an iPhone, I was spending significant periods of my day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. One main issue was my second screening and feeling unable to sit and watch TV or a film without scrolling through Instagram at the same time. This was made worse when I was trying to study for exams and write assignments when I found I couldn't spend five minutes concentrating on my work without wanting to quickly check Facebook. And of course, quickly checking Facebook always leads to quickly checking Twitter and quickly checking Instagram, leading to around five minutes working to 55 minutes of social media. Another issue was the content itself. The beautiful photographs on Instagram made me jealous and depressed. Twitter made me feel angry and depressed. Facebook just made me depressed. I tried to unfollow certain accounts and keep it all lighthearted and fun, but the politics, moaning and general crappiness still made its way through to me. 
Last week, my husband and I agreed to give up alcohol together until Christmas Day and downloading a sobriety app to help us do this, called I Am Sober, I realised it had to be all or nothing. I deleted all three apps and declared myself sober from social media. At the time of writing, I've not checked Facebook, Twitter or Instagram for five days, 11 hours and 42 minutes. I'm aiming for a week to begin with, then who knows. I've been working on an assignment for college and have found that I am so much more focused and productive, possibly more than I have been at any point in my life since I've had a computer readily available to me. Um, I do find myself picking up my phone and staring pointlessly at it before putting it back down, but it's becoming less and less frequent. A few people have told me they miss my Instagram updates, and I do continue to post. Uh, I do want to continue posting to Instagram as I enjoy documenting things, but I'm still trying to work out how to do this without compromising my productivity and mental health. If anyone has any tips or good apps that limit usage, then I'm keen to hear them. The absence of Twitter and Facebook, however, has only been a good thing, and I can't see myself wanting to go back to those with any sort of regularity. I'd be interested to hear if anyone has given up social media completely cold turkey after being completely addicted to it. Maybe we could create a support group. I imagine it's quite a widespread addiction, but one that doesn't get a lot of press or attention from health professionals. For anyone who's interested, I also recommend a book called Irresistible by Adam Alter about this very problem. Thanks for reading my long email. All the best, Kate. And just before I jump into that, I hope everyone realises that I read that in one take without bursting out laughing at the fact that in the Discord on my left screen, people are posting photographs of their new shoehorns. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that that took a great deal of self-control not to not to laugh in the middle. Um, this is this is completely true. And I mean, Andy, haven't you've been trying to massively re- uh, limit your use of social media as well, haven't you? Yep. In a, in a similar way, have you have you managed to go cold turkey? Uh, no, and I don't think I need to. I think what it's been about is um, is recognizing what the problems were. And uh, for me, and for and for various people I know, the problem um, was uh, certainly Twitter and just that constant need to refresh and go back. Um, you know what has what's been missed that that almost drug like um, feeling of you've got to quickly go back and get that next bit from it and it was never good because t- there's nothing good on twitter anyway Plus, so, there's, but there's the, also there's no bottom the endless scrolly that you never you can never feel like you've actually caught you've up you've never everything. caught up no you haven't no absolutely so for me um the the biggest thing i did was to i i still use twitter and i think i maybe talked about this before i still use it because i have to um, for my for my job but i i no longer read Twitter, I will post to Twitter, and I do that just by having in uh, Safari. I have one of my bookmarks just takes me automatically to my uh, my mentions page, so I can post things and I can mention uh, and I can look at anyone who's talking to me, so I can make sure I'm replying and not being rude or any replies to my tweets. And uh, there are I have a, a set list of people whose um, Twitter pages I will uh, navigate directly to if I know that they've posted maybe a story that I want to help promote. I will go to that and do that um instagram for me has never been a problem that's actually a really nice space for me because i use it solely professionally for photography so i will follow automotive photographers and um uh, photography professionals and that's pretty much it so for me there is no um there's no discussion there's no nastiness there's no um none of the unpleasantness that you get is actually quite a good learning resource and creative space um so i don't feel that's a problem but even then i follow so few accounts that there that is not the constant update there's not that constant flow you need to feel you can you can um 
you have to keep up with uh, for me maybe it's a twice a day thing and there's only maybe five or six posts each time for me to kind of look back through um uh, and check out uh facebook is as it always has been i rarely use it these days every so often i might i might check and i and i usually regret that um i have the account um if people want to get in if people do want to get in touch um so i lo- i use facebook messenger uh more than i do facebook itself uh but facebook i rarely use and as a result i do miss things like event invites and people will say oh i didn't know if you're coming to my birthday for example but most people do now know that I, I rarely use it, um, and I don't miss it at all. It's been it, it has been a gradual process of getting used to not being on there uh, and getting myself off it. But I do feel I feel infinitely better for not being on there. It, it feels a lot more freeing, and it means that when you're relaxing at home on an evening, you're not second screening, you're not watching a film, but also spending half of it looking down at your phone. You're actually looking at the things you're doing, and I find that less of my free time is spent just endlessly opening my phone and looking at something and actually thinking, oh, I can go and do a thing now, whether that's looking at some of my photographs to do some edits on or going for a walk or reading a book. Um, there's, yeah, oh, I've only had positives as a result of this. I, there, has, there has been no downsides. Well, we're, we're big pro- pro- uh, proponents on the show, as uh, regular listeners will know, of, of switching off, of disabling notifications, of moderation and things like that. And it's easier said than done. You know, my personal tactic to this is turning off all notifications for social media and moving them off my home screen of my phone, because I tend to find that whatever's on my home screen is what my brain wants to wants to use, whereas... Um, swiping across means that i'm more aware that i'm probably wasting time and therefore less compelled to actually use the app itself but everyone has their own uh, their own ways of of messaging it uh, of managing it and some people like uh, kate who wrote in have to just go cold turkey uninstall the whole thing and just make a clean break so i open this up to the floor of listeners how do you manage this what advice do you have is there a way of still being able to enjoy Twitter, Facebook, Instagram as examples, but in a way that maybe is 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 limited by design. You know, maybe something that gets rid of the endless scroll or something that just highlights the top 10 things a week or a day or something like that. Let us know any uh, good suggestions and we'll uh, we'll come back to this next week and read out some of the best suggestions and answers. All welcome. Hello at techpodcast.uk. We, of course, do our very best every week to keep you up to date with the most relevant news to British listeners, but we're not ignorant to the rest of the world. Unfortunately, our friend over the pond, Tom Merritt, always keeps us informed about what's been going on in the wider world of tech over the previous few days. Tom, what's been going on this week? Hey, thanks. This week on Daily Tech News Show, we discussed how President Macron's cybersecurity call might pave the way for more EU leadership on the internet, broke down the Amazon decision to pick three cities instead of one in the U.S. for their new regional offices, broke down the breakdown of trust in Facebook, and got the scoop from Robert Heron on which TVs you might want to ask Father Christmas for. All that and a lot more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Thank you, Tom. And thank you to our patrons supporting us every week. Uh, obviously, if you're not yet a patron, we'd like to get in on our ad-free extended versions, which this week we had a very lengthy and fascinating discussion about the benefits uh, of foldable technologies. Should our phones be bending? Should our tablets be folding in half? What else should be folding and why should it fold? What other form factors might be useful? That's all in the uh, the Patreon version this week, which you can get at u- patreon.com forward slash UK 
tech. Uh, and thank you to everyone who is listening on our free feed and telling their friends and leaving us amazing reviews. As we like to point out each week, this is just as helpful as supporting us financially because that helps the show spread and helps us keep in uh, in the top charts and things like that. So in whatever way you're supporting us, thank you. It means the world. And our final thank you, of course, to Andy Hoyle from CNET uh, for joining us for a second week in a row. Andy, has anything else been going on in your world since uh, seven days ago that people should know about? Absolutely, yes. Uh, I've just found out that uh, my cat has been bought an elf costume um, and he looks great in it. So that really is the big thing uh, going on. And tomorrow um, I'm going to go and play with some owls. And is that for work? No, no, that's just for fun. Oh. I've taken a day off work to go and, and to go and play with some owls. Okay, I mean, normally people promote something they're doing uh, professionally on, on the end of a show that's heard by you know thousands oh, okay. of people. F- but 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 by all means, tell us where we can find um, photos of of the cat dressed as an elf or whatever you do with with an owl tomorrow. Uh, you probably won't be able to find those. But if you want to find any of the pro- work I do professionally as a photographer, then you can find me on at Battery HQ on Instagram and uh, Twitter. Um, should you want to go into the social media world um i don't think there's a lot else i have coming up that i that, that would be any point in promoting now but there'll be plenty of things coming up that i will promote in the coming weeks should i come back on the show so keep your eyes peeled i don't know if i've told you but i know a cracking owl sanctuary good that's probably the one i'm going to okay uh thanks everyone uh, we'll see you uh, in <laughs> in a, in a week You've been listening to Text Message with your host, Nate Langson. If you get value from the show, please consider joining our many supporters on Patreon. You can get access to a version of the show every week with no ads and as much as 40% more discussion every time. There's no obligation, so why not try a month by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech or looking for the link in this episode's description. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.